Hi and welcome to The Crime Pod. I'm Caitlin. And I'm Sam. So to start us off in kind of december Christmassy themed ones, this case is in December but it was a long time ago. Not as long as Sam's ones but yes. So this week I'm going to tell you the case of Tracy Andrews. I take it, have you heard of Tracy Andrews? Do you know anything about the case? No. <gasps> the name sounds so familiar, but I think okay. like, it's a general name, isn't it? Yeah, it's quite a quite a British name. Yeah. Um, Tracy Andrews has always stuck with me. Again, it's one of those, it's like it's been on the list to do forever. But it's one of the, I used to, when I was like, younger story time here when I was younger I used to when I was like getting ready or whatever like background noise on the telly I would watch this program that I can never find it anymore and it was called British it was like Britain's darkest taboos or something I don't know if you ever watched it and it was just like half our episodes of like true crime cases in the UK it was amazing I absolutely loved it and it was like they've done every case you can think of in the UK and one of the first ones I watched was Tracy Andrews and again I'd never heard of it and I was just like stunned by the story. And I remember like thinking about it for ages. Um, so yeah, I, I am aware of this case, obviously, and I've researched it. But I was quite aware of what had happened. But it's funny that a lot of people aren't. Um, well, to be and, honest, Caitlin, I was probably watching Hannah Montana or something. And you were probably watching all watching the Stars, 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 Stars. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that was me. Um but yeah, it also takes place in the 90s. It actually takes place the year you were born, Sam. So that's another thing Ooh, as well. But no, there you go. Um, <laughs> just the year you were born. But um, also, fun crime pod fact, actually. A couple of months ago, and months is maybe harsh. No, probably months, weeks at least. We were recording and I mentioned the Tracy Andrews case. I said like, oh, when I was doing my research for Tracy. Like when I said, I actually didn't say that, sorry. I said, in the Tracy Andrews case, when we were talking about that, blah, blah, blah. And actually, this hadn't been released yet or recorded. So <laughs> nobody cares. You. you didn't care. <laughs> but for the diehard fans that were probably like, oh, what Tracy Andrews episode? This is it. This is what you've been waiting for. Your diehard fans. Hi, mom. <laughs> Not my mom. <laughs> yeah, thanks for listening. My mom doesn't care. <laughs> thanks for listening, Graham. Okay, here we go. So, Tracy Andrews. So, Tracy was born. Tracy Margaret Andrews in the ninth of, on the 9th of April 1969. Now she was a middle child of three siblings and had several half siblings. Her parents had kind of a volatile relationship but they actually separated when she was six years old and she never got over her parents split. She said that even as an adult it still really affected her. Um, she was really cut up about it. Her mum did move on and she had a stepdad but she still never got over the fact that her dad like left the family basically. In 1990 she gave birth to a baby daughter um, but she separated from her partner and the father of the daughter and I actually can't find out much about the child. I don't believe it stayed with her full time um, but there's I can, there's not much information about that at all. Now Tracy had aspirations of becoming a model um, but she actually originally worked as a barmaid in the Red Lion pub. That could be anywhere in England. 
Uh, that is the most English. What street's that on? (laughs) I love that. Like I believe every every town and city in England has a red lion pub. Um, she did work for some modelling agencies, like small ones and not really like well established ones. But she wasn't a full on model. She was more of a barmaid. Now, as I kind of said about her modelling career and her aspirations, one thing Tracy did love was men. She loved the male attention. She loved flirting with men. She loved men and being thought of by men. That's a big thing. Um, she, I don't know if it, I think a lot of it was in a sexual way, but also I think getting the approval and love of men as well, especially with her dad leaving early on, was quite a big thing in her life. Now, in October 1994, she began a relationship with a man named Lee Harvey and actually moved in with him three months after they met. They had a pretty off-again, on-again relationship, and this, like her parents, was quite volatile. They were both possessive, jealous of each other's relationship with men and women. They argued all the time and actually this escalated to violence and the police being called quite a few times neighbors heard their arguments and their kind of brawls a lot and were kind of used to them just shouting at each other multiple of her exes actually recalled tracy being possessive not liking them having a social life without like her being there and she was also known to like explosive displays of anger Friends and family members of both Lee and Tracy were like not happy, obviously, with her dysfunctional relationship. And Lee had actually told his friends and his own mum that Tracy had a lot of emotional problems that he was struggling to deal with. Now, police were called to the house in late October of 1996 and actually Tracy had bitten Lee on the neck. And as I'd said, the police were called many a time. And I think it was one of those of like the police are called not by each other. I don't believe I actually think it's the neighbours that are hearing it and it's getting that much. They're hearing things being thrown. They're hearing them like hit each other. So the police get called. But again, I don't think charges were ever pressed. Lee's mum had actually told them they should separate. And he had a daughter as well and kind of mentioned it for that. Other family members of Lee actually warned him against pursuing a relationship with Tracy and her own mum actually basically said like look this relationship's coming to an end like don't do it in may 1995 so no we'd skip forward there but in may 1995 lee actually proposed and tracy said yes but everyone was like what is going on here and i don't think there was much kind of wedding plans now our story takes place on sunday the 1st of december 1996 so your first ever christmas samantha you were getting ready for that great so it was quite a normal day for Tracy and Lee. She's off work as a barmaid at that time. And he was also off. He was a bus conductor. Now, they were both in her flat in Alba Church in North East Worcester. Worcester? Worcestershire? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, the sauce. Thank you. Thank the crisps. You. Um, yeah. So she... Oh, good crisps. They are good. She lives in... Al- well, she lives in Alba Church, which Alba Church is like a lovely wee, like, valley... English town had a population of like 6,000 people like looks really nice but think you'd like wouldn't be great to live there do you know what I mean like I, I don't see a Tesco but I'd also just like to apologize for anyone listening who does live oh. there <laughs> oh yeah sorry I thought you were gonna say that nice yeah it looks lovely and like you're probably happy living there but I think we're from the city Sam yeah I would hate it just to yeah. put that out there like we've only got one bus you're like excuse me yeah no i need a service i need a whole service 
But I get what you mean. That we we've been spoiled. We we live from the capital. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, I don't see a big Tesco. Um, so they'd been out on the Saturday night, so they were both quite hungover. Neighbours had heard the couple arguing that afternoon, raised voices, ornaments being thrown in the kitchen. Normal behaviour for the couple, unfortunately. Now, they'd calmed down, so decided to go to the local pub that evening. And Lee drove, um, and he drove a white Ford Escort, and they went to the Malbrook pub, which was nearby. Now, they were seen at the pub not really talking and being quite hostile with each other. Now, Tracy had wore black leather trousers, snakeskin boots and quite a tight top. Tracy was good looking. Like, she was a good looking woman for the time. And as I said, she really enjoyed the attention of men. She had beautiful big blonde hair. So she did, like, like to make Lee jealous. I think she really kind of enjoyed getting him wound up. So he was then jealous and showing her that attention. Now, Tracy was seen kind of dancing her own that night and going up and like talking to different men and leaving Lee. And whenever they were seen that night, they weren't having like nice conversations. They were either arguing or not talking at all. About 10.25, they left for the drive home, which was about a five mile drive. Now, they drove through the countryside of Worcestershire to get home. Now, Tracy could just feel something was wrong. Um, and she was like, right, okay, there's an atmosphere in this car. She asked Lee, she's like, right, what's going on? I know we've been arguing, but what is this atmosphere in the car? And Lee said there was a car tailing him and that it had been for a while. So this car was following behind and he was actually speeding up the car behind and it began flashing its lights and beeping its horn. They didn't know the car. They didn't recognise the car. So it's not like it was a friend. It was like he'd seen them. So they're like, right, okay. But they're obviously just, it's only five miles. They're continuing going home. Tracy is starting to get a bit panicked of like, it's December, we're in the middle of the countryside, but Lee's like, this is the way home. The car actually managed to draw up beside them at one point, and it was a male driver with a male passenger. Now, he had rolled down the winter, uh, the window, sorry, and began shouting at Lee. However, like an oncoming car basically forced that car to pull back and Tracy couldn't work out exactly what they were shouting so they were being chased most of the journey home however near the end um the car actually managed to like try and overtake them again um and lee actually then ended up missing his turning so they basically got to a t-junction and he went right over it because he was so focused on this car and the car was at the side of it at that point so lee slammed on the brakes reversed and then went the other way at the t-junction so they lost the car so like great then they noticed the car had done the exact same thing, so it followed them along. So it wasn't just a coincidence. This car had actually then like stopped reverse and followed them along this T junction. Now I would one hundred of sorry, I would one hundred percent would have stalled and crashed and been <laughs> so panicked by this. Yeah, no cars chasing you at twenty miles per hour on a country road at night. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> they're chasing you because you're taking up the whole road and you're crying while driving. Um, so the car actually does eventually fully overtake and slams on the brakes and does block the road and Tracy recalls just like sitting in the car looking at Lee and Lee's looking at her and being like what what do we do like it's pitch black in the middle of the countryside there's this car that's tailing us this car's then stopped what do we do now the driver jumped out of the car and began shouting at Lee going quote mental Tracy had said um, so Lee got out and this obviously turns into a bit of a fight so Tracy's like right Tracy gets out of the car and goes over and is actually punched in the face by the driver and ends up on the floor basically unable to get back up 
Now, the passenger of the car calmly walked over to Lee and began punching him in the chest and the neck and was shouting abuse at him while punching him, calling him a, quote, fucking Pakistani. Um, And just to confirm, Lee was not Pakistani, um, but he was calling him that repeatedly. Both men got back in the car and drove off. So Tracy's lying there. She's just been punched in the face. Lee's been battered. So she's like, right, eventually gets up, crawls her way over and notice that he's actually covered in blood. Um, it was then she realised that Lee was not being punched, he was being stabbed. So Tracy lay at the side of the road, basically cradling a dying Lee. A local man came out of his house and saw the car, and a man and woman ran over thinking it was just an accident. Um, but actually, it wasn't. It was this situation. So by the time he got there, Lee was already dead, and Tracy was, as I said, crying, holding him. So Tracy was taken into the man's house and comforted by his girlfriend while he called the police. So Tracy was obviously she had survived but as I said Lee was dead at the side of the road. Uniformed officers turned up and cornered off the area and Tracy was taken to the Alexandra Hospital in Redditch at 11.40pm. She was treated for shock and minor cuts and bruises but was discharged about 2-3am. She was covered in blood like physically her clothes were covered in Lee's blood and she was shaken Um, but she was taken to the local police station and asked to give a statement um, they basically said they had to get it ASAP to get her best version of events. I can't imagine leaving the pub and then, like, within a couple of hours, my partner's been battered in front of me, stabbed to death. I've then been taken to the hospital because I've been punched in the face. I'm fine. And now the police are like, can you just tell us what's happened? Like, her, she, her head must just be spinning. Um, like, shock. Yeah. Yeah. Shock. Yeah. And then shock on top of shock. It's like, what? Yeah, she must have just been like, what is actually happening here? So Detective Brian Russell interviewed her basically that Monday the 2nd in the early hours of the morning. Tracy told him the story exactly what I have just told you. Mentioned the racist comments and was obviously very upset. She said that the car was a dark coloured Ford Sierra and she didn't get the reg. But the passenger she described was a quote, fat man with steady eyes. Um, So that's how she described him. And that's what the police are like, okay, a fat man with steady eyes, right? Um, she explained that Lee had missed the turning. It's the same, she told the police that. They'd missed the turning due to being chased by the car. So he slammed on the brakes and reversed while the car was alongside them. And then the car followed them. So that's how she confirmed that the car was chasing them because of that T-junction stop where Lee had to reverse. Um, the detective basically thanked her, told her how brave she was, said, like, you know, I cannot believe what you've gone through and took her to her mum's. So all police forces in the surrounding area were on the lookout for this car and the description of the fat man with steady eyes. Now, the police also go to Maureen Harvey's house um, at this time, which is Lee's mum, which is on the outskirts of Birmingham. And they go about 3am on the Monday the 2nd. Now, they have to tell both her and her husband, Ray, that Lee had been murdered, caused by an assault. And they told her that Tracy had been assaulted in the hospital with her injuries. Maureen didn't say much about that. She just says all she can remember is a woman screaming and it took her actually a minute to realise it was her that was screaming. Now, roadblocks were set up the next day and just under 700 vehicles were stopped and spoken to. However, none of them matched the description of the Forzera or the man that they were looking for. They asked Tracy if anyone had any issues with Lee. Did anyone have did he have any enemies did he have beef with anybody but he didn't so where, where do they even begin there's no weapon there's not really a suspect there's a fat man with eyes they don't even know where to start with this it was like a sunday night in a back country road like there's not much going on there 
The postmortem was done and the cause of death was stabbing. Now, it is a bit graphic, but he had 37 stab wounds, but it worked out he'd been stabbed 42 times as five of these stabbings had gone into pre-punctured holes. So he'd been 37 different wounds, but five of them went into a hole that was already made. Now, he also had small double pricks on his body, which they were trying to work out that was. And it means that um, the weapon was a Swiss Army knife. So on a Swiss Army knife, you also get like different things. And they had scissors on it. So they believe it was the scissors that when the knife was getting stabbed into him, the scissors were also hitting off him with the force. A lot of the stab wounds were also in Lee's back. So it'll be as if he was trying to get away or get back into the car. Now, I'm going to take you to Tuesday the 3rd now. So Detective Russell holds a press conference. This is almost a bit infamous in this case because this is a press conference that Tracy goes to. Um, it was the police's idea. They're thinking, right, we're looking for a suspect. We're going to do a press conference. It's going to be a group of police sitting there, probably 90s, majority men, just being like, oh, there's been an accident. We're looking for a murderer. But they're thinking, if we get Tracy up there to almost do a plea, she's this lovely looking woman who's literally bruised she's upset like that's maybe a good kind of way to get the public's attention which it was um she had freaked out a little bit before it um because she didn't want to do it but Maureen and Ray were also doing it so they convinced her to do it and she did she went out and done it there was about 70 journalists and I've seen clips of it and they like gasp in shock basically as she comes out um she explains what happens described the whole night how she was cradling him at the side of the road Maureen held her hand the whole time and she basically just appealed for witnesses and the police got exactly kind of what they wanted from it. The press and the public felt awful for her. They couldn't believe what she had gone through, what she'd had to witness. So people were really kind of vigilant, looking for the man with the steady eyes or the car. Now, when Tracy describes the man with the steady eyes, she kind of does like a steady eye face, which is probably the, we'll put a picture on the Instagram, but it's probably like the most infamous picture from it. So many leads start coming in, like cars have been seen, people think they know the man. So all leads are looked at, but none of them amounted to anything, unfortunately. Now, that morning, just before the press conference, um, Detective Russell had actually taken Tracy over the route they took, where they pulled over, where they were overtaken, the T-junction, everything. That's a common road for her and Lee to drive. So he went over just to make sure they had the exact route so they could kind of scale to see if the weapon was thrown out or if there's anything that the police had managed to miss or they hadn't found yet. Um, Detective Russell actually went to see Tracy the next day on Wednesday the 4th just to check in with her as the press conference is tough, like getting up and doing a press conference about like a few days after your boyfriend has been murdered in front of you to kind of plea to get his killer. That's a really, really tricky thing to do. So he went to check in on her as I can imagine, obviously it was difficult. Now he went to her, his mum, her mum, sorry, and her mum was there and explained she was upstairs in her room. So they go up and the door was shut. So he knocked on the door, but Tracy doesn't answer. He goes in to find Tracy semi-conscious lying on her bed. Now she'd taken an overdose, so they called an ambulance and she'd taken roughly 200 pills and was rushed straight to the hospital. This wasn't a cry for help. This was an actual suicide attempt because it was a huge amount of pills to take. And if she'd been found any later that day, she would have died. And I wouldn't be telling you the story, basically. Um, she had left a suicide note to her daughter, Carla, who's about six at the time, and her parents. 
this obviously goes all over the press and makes the public even sadder. Like she's obviously really struggling to live without Lee. She's obviously having such a really difficult time. Um, like this is just horrific. And it was because the police couldn't find anything. Like they are really struggling. They've had, yeah, they've had these leads, but there's nothing. There is no witnesses. There is no weapon. There is no CCTV finding him. So where do they even begin with this? Now, while Tracy was in hospital, the police, their prayers are answered, basically, as a key witness phones in to the police. So the call comes in from a man and he says that he was out that night with his girlfriend driving out in the same roads. And he was at the T-junction when Lee went flying over it. So they're like, perfect. This is great. So he was like, yep. I was there, he went, like, we noticed the car because the speed he was going at, saw Lee slam on the brakes, saw him reverse and take the other route at the T-junction. So they're like, great, that's fine. And that's when the guy says, there was no car chasing him. That car was completely on its own. And the police are like, <laughs> was that, <laughs> was was that like, just gasping? <laughs> yeah. And the police are like, no, they were they were being chased. And that guy was like, no, I was there. And we were the only two cars on the road. So there was no car tailing them. Which that then means... That's Tracy's whole story. So where is this other car? So the police began thinking about this and say, okay, was she committing suicide because of guilt? And then they're like, actually, let's be honest. Lee has been stabbed to death on the side of the road by two men Tracy's witnessed it all, she's seen their face, she's seen their car she's seen their reg and they just let her live that surely doesn't make sense so the police go over her statement again and she said that she was on the ground when Lee was being attacked and crawled over once the men had gone so obviously that's fine, there is no like they've got Tracy's clothes but not as a suspect they've got them as like a witness evidence they had to take her clothes which was absolutely fine they then decide to look at her clothes because they've obviously never examined them and the blood splatter that was on her clothes could only come from arterial spray which means that when someone's blood is physically spraying out of them um now because it was like his jugular basically that was stabbed that would spray for a maximum of 60 seconds so if she was lying on the ground the men had finished stabbing him. They then got back in their car, drove off. She then said they were gone by the time she crawled over. The blood would have stopped spurting from his neck. So how is it sprayed all over her top? It wouldn't be spray blood. It would just be blood, blood. Blood. Exactly. So yeah. the man who lived along the road said he only heard two voices that whole night. One man and one soft-spoken. So that could be Tracy and Lee. He said he heard nothing else. He said he heard nobody shouting. He didn't hear any kind of kind of commotion um Maureen Lee's mum actually then went to visit Tracy in hospital just before this all kind of came out and at one point when she was kind of semi-conscious Tracy grabbed her arm and began apologizing now Maureen obviously thought it was because she couldn't save him but Ray her partner leaned in and was said that's the closest you're going to get to a confession and Maureen was like nope let's let the police do their work like they will find out who's kind of to blame so on Saturday the 7th of December, Tracy is released from the hospital and she is immediately arrested in the hospital car park, basically, on suspicion of Lee's murder. She's taken to Redditch Police Station and she doesn't confess. She keeps 
to the usual what I've just told you she has a bit of an unusual one she hires two solicitors not two that work together two completely different solicitors so she answers basically nothing they prompted her to speak they were asking her questions but she sat silent or no comment she didn't say anything now detective russell said she was the exact same like interview aura as a witness as she was a suspect calm not phased like she was the exact same how she was when she just apparently witnessed her partner being stabbed to death she was like the exact same she just wasn't phased by it at all now a detective basically said to her look tracy this isn't going to go away um and at that point she lowered her head and asked to speak to her lawyers alone now they spoke for 45 minutes and once they returned she said something along the lines of quote i'm not seeing anything else i'm sticking to my story which mm. is a very unusual phrase. Why Don't is he sticking to your story? Like, that's mm. not a story, it's the truth, is it not? Yeah. Like, so, I get, though, if it was the truth, you'd still say, oh, it's a story, but you wouldn't be like, I'm sticking to my story. Like, oh. Yeah. Oh. And yeah. why she got two, two lawyers? Like, Absolutely no idea. Absolutely <laughs> no idea. But Tracy, surprisingly, is let out on bail. Now, she stays with her mum, has a curfew, and has to report to a station every day. Um, This is honestly because what evidence do they have? Like, this one witness that said, I didn't see a car following them, and the spraying in the blood. The blood splatter? Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say. But again, she could probably then argue that and say, well, it was still splattering when I went over. Yeah, that's true. Like, are you honestly going to then be able to say her statement that night? As I said to you at the start, she's witnessed this guy being stabbed to death at like 11 o'clock at night and by 3am she's given a statement. Yeah, we need to find this knife. Tell well, me more. exactly. The weapon, spoiler, has never been found. And I'll get back to that a bit oh. later. Well, no, actually I'll tell you now. Go on, just tell you. <laughs> Where's the knife? So they think it, like as I said, they don't think it was a big knife. They think it was a... Fuck, what did I just say it was? Pen, a, pen, a pen knife, Swiss Army knife. Swiss Army knife, thank you. Well, yeah, like a pen knife, basically, right? So that's not huge. Well, here's the theory. Tracy was in the hospital, and she was in the hospital as a victim, so she could go about on her own. She wasn't supervised. I think she's put in a sharp spin. And so did a lot of people. Oh. Because that that'll obviously... Very smart. But there you go, that's in a sharp spin. That's disposed of. They're not checked. You don't go through a sharp spin in the hospital. But then you've got to think of, did she think she was going to end up in hospital? Did she have this weapon with her all along? Or did she yeah, throw it on the country road? Uh, They've checked those roads for ages, but obviously she then had to injure herself. And she yeah. got, and she said she was punched in the face. Like, I had to take her in to do a check over. Yeah, so I think she's disposed true. of it. I, don't, I can't imagine anywhere else they would have put it. That's very smart. Very, very smart. Mm. So on the 7th of February 1997, there is Lee's funeral. So this is 10 weeks after his murder. Now, Tracy doesn't go. I don't know if it's because she generally chose not to go or if she was banned from it on her bail conditions. I generally don't know. The trial began because she the... murdered him. Yeah, that too. The trial <laughs> so began on the 1st of July 1997 at Birmingham Crown Court. Now, on the opening day, prosecution basically said, like, they argued that on the way home, they argued, they got into an argument, a fight in the car. Now, the prosecution say that the argument is because Tracy gave Lee a hat that is associated with black people. I don't know what this hat could be. 
Um, but people would joke about Lee and say that he looked mixed race or Pakistani and that he wasn't. But and it would kind of offend him. It's also racism to make jokes like that. Um, and apparently she would sometimes make jokes like that because she knew it upset him. Um, so they're saying maybe Lee actually did hit out first. Maybe Lee got angry first, so they pull over and actually she just goes for it. They begin like they get out of the car, they're arguing, and she begins stabbing him. Now, obviously, loads of neighbours are called for witnesses for their arguing. The pub have loads of witnesses that are called because they argued all night at the pub. The witnesses from the T-junction were absolutely adamant there was no second car. They said that it was literally just Tracy and Lee. There was absolutely no second car. And the fact that Tracy and Lee don't even remember, well, Tracy doesn't really remember seeing this car because you wouldn't make up a story of being chased if you drove past another car. I think they were in such a heated argument that they didn't even know what was going on around them. And Lee was apparently driving like a maniac. Seven minutes passed between Tracy, well, between the accident, so between Lee being stabbed and him being discovered by the guy from the cottage. At that point, Tracy made no attempts to get help, no attempt to do anything. I understand she was whole, well, apparently she said she was lying, cradling Lee's body, but would you not be trying to get some sort of help? Like there was, as I said, there's a cottage just up the road. Like that guy could see them from his house. So would you not run like as much as like, obviously you're in shock and upset, but would you not be trying to get some sort of help or shouting? There yeah. was nothing. He went out because he'd kind of saw like the car lights and whatnot. He didn't go out because he heard her distressed or whatnot. So 10 days into the trial, Tracy takes the stand. Now she's calm, composed and actually gives five hours of testimony. She presents herself well and she never, she said she never deliberately lied. Exactly what I just said. She said she was traumatised. Like, I've just watched my partner be stabbed to death at the side of the road. I've then been taken to hospital. You've then asked for me to give a statement. Like, I was in no fit way to be doing that. She said the couple at the T-junction must have just missed the car. She's like, you've obviously just not seen it. Like, you've maybe not been looking. Um, like, it generally was there. And she just delivered that so calm. She was like, I'm not saying they're liars. They maybe just didn't see it. Now, there was one incident where she said the year before she had actually got pregnant but Lee broke up with her um, for some reason around that time. So she had an abortion, but she had said it was a miscarriage. Now, when she says this, Lee's mum gets up. Well, she gasps and shouts liar across the court. Tracy then gets quite angry back and points back at her and is like, I want her out now. And they kind of see how she can be. Now, the closing arguments are on the 28th of July and after five hours of deliberation by the jury, she is found guilty of murder on the 29th of July. Now, she just sat with her head in her hands, kind of in shock almost. Now, she got life with a minimum of, would you like to guess? 12 years? 14 years. Oh, it was close. Which is mad because there's not much proof. Like, there is, like, the blood splattering and just the fact they argued a lot. Now, she appealed the sentencing, claimed that she was a victim of a miscarriage of justice because of the, imagine, uh, the amount of publicity surrounding the case. Now, in October of 1998, this appeal was denied. But I do get the whole media thing. Like, this, there was a whole media circus around this and everyone was aware of it. So she was like, the jury couldn't have tried me fairly because everybody knew the story and already had made up their mind that it was me. In April 1999, Tracy eventually admitted that she did stab Lee to death. She said that her entire story had been invented. Um, she changed her story and said that she had stabbed him simply in self-defence. There's no evidence to support this. However, Lee was stabbed mostly in the back. So 
self-defense. Yeah, I also feel it was self-defense. Then there's also stabbing someone 42 times. Yeah, exactly. And making up this massive story. Thing is, as well, if she had said at the trial, actually, yeah, I stabbed him in self-defense. Like, if she had said that night, called the police and been like, my boyfriend's just tried to kill me, I've stabbed him in self-defense, she probably would have got, what, manslaughter? Maybe served, like, five years? No, I disagree, because, like, you'd... Sorry, (laughs) sorry to come out with that, but... My episode. Yeah, but if she had said that and stuff, you would just go back. It's literally just like the Shea Groves case. She said it was self-defense. Yeah, yeah but that like she was on top of him, but for example, Tracy was behind him, stabbing him. So I think again, the end result would probably be the same. Yeah, but even then, though, if she had actually gone for manslaughter, it would have been a less thingy than murder. Like if she had actually taken the whole, like if she'd admitted it at the trial, and went for manslaughter, it probably would have still been less time. Like she might not mm. got off with it, but it would have been less time. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Well, I think because compared to the Shea Gross, there's so much evidence of them like arguing all the time. It was a relationship with violence on both sides. So you're literally just talking about the Shea Gross episode. Oh, whatever. Right, anyway. (laughs) Now, in prison, she saved a woman's life who attempted suicide and for a majority of the time kept herself to herself. Now, she had a prison friend and Anne Darwin. Do you know who she is? Oh, I thought you were going to say like Rose West or something. Sadly not. Anne Darwin. Um, oh, no, I don't. Okay. Anne Darwin is the canoe con man's wife. No way. Way. So oh, wow. John Darwin was the one that decided to fake his own death by going out in the canoe. And the wife was on it to basically get the insurance payout and his life insurance. I think you've done an episode on that. Me? I think so. You were well into it. Because you were like, have you heard of this? And I was like, yeah, it's old news. Yeah, I'm sure you've done an episode. I don't think I have. Okay, carry on. I'll go find out. Yeah, I don't think i generally don't think i have because it's i was going to say i'm now i would like to cover the case and tell you all about it because it's really cool i don't think i have anyway they were in prison together in asking grade in yorkshire and they talked about life on the outside as both of their crimes were quite infamous so they kind of had that similarly and Anne had said like that she'd spoke to her and actually they'd got on really well um tracy was released in july 2011 now, she was banned from travelling within 25 miles of her victim's family without supervision. She moved to Cornwall and after her release, she changed her name to Tia Carter. She changed her appearance. She underwent about five grand's worth of surgery through the NHS to change the shape of her distinctive jaw. And she then eventually changed her name to Jenna Stevens, Jenna Stevens Goldworthy. She's also dyed her blonde hair black now. Um, that was also quite infamous. In 2017, she married a bouncer named Phil. Um, they are still together. Now, when plans to release her were announced, a fellow female inmate and actually a former prison lover of hers said that she had continued to act possessively and aggressively in relationships while in prison, revealing that she had actually attacked and strangled her after she saw her speaking with her ex-girlfriend. She basically said if Tracy was released, she believed she would kill again. However, she has been released for 12 years now and obviously nothing has happened. And I was kind of say that, like, Tracy's dyed her hair, she's changed her name and she's moving on with her life. But, like, Maureen and Ray can't do that. They can't just move on and dye their hair, like, 
Lee's whole family have been changed forever. And again, I think we've talked a lot of cases, especially with children, where it's like going on to rehabilitate. But actually, yeah, she's done it. She's served her time. She actually did serve like pretty much her whole sentence or 14 years. She then has got out. She's changed her life around. She's got married. She's got a job or whatnot. But she still took somebody's life for genuinely no reason made up this whole media strad, got all this attention and kind of played his family along for so long. Um, so, yeah, that is the story of Tracy Andrews. Were you expecting that, Sam? What a twist. I tell you. Like, I had a feeling that she was part oh, of I it love because it. I thought, okay, she's hired these people for in the car to do it all. You know what I mean? But... yeah. What a twist. Mental. Didn't expect the car not to be true, did you? No, I didn't. I know, not it until is, it that is mental. Last minute. And it is, as you say, it's awful. Like like we always say, the victim's families, they're not going to get this person back. These people get released from prison or they get a life that they can live in prison, blah, 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 blah. But at the end of the day, they're still a victim. 